Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Today, today's kind of a special day. I'm really excited about today. We've just wrapped up a series called We Are the Church, and it's been a fun series for me, um, kind of going back to some passions that I have about church and church not being a place, but a what? You guys are like almost four weeks. Maybe we did like a five or six week service. You would really feel it, right? Um, but we're wrapping up the series, and so today, um, after our second service, we've got baptisms. Uh, so if you're here today and maybe that's something the Lord's put on your heart, but you didn't come prepared, know that we came prepared for you. We will always do that. Even if no one signs up to be baptized, uh, two to three times a year, we're going to get the tank ready just in case, right? People can take that step and they have no excuse. So if that's you today, you have no excuse. We've got shirts, shorts, towels, water, and ice cream afterwards. So, and I know like normally when we do something like this, we only have the treats after second service, but we're going to have them after this service as well. So if you're only able to come to the first service, uh, the ice cream truck's going to be set up after service. Make sure you check that out. And we're able to do that because of your generosity. Um, and so we're able to do that. We're able to have fun because of your generosity. And this past week, um, I was, man, it was like I was on the mountaintop all week. I uh, spent three days with 3,500 pastors in Birmingham, Alabama at a GROW conference with a couple of our coordinators. And we were actually able to sponsor um, a church planting couple from Chattanooga. We paid for their registration. We paid for their hotel. We got them there. And so they're launching on September the, September the 11th. Um, just coming up. So let's be praying for them. Uh, the Watsons, so Five Stones Church, they're going to do incredible things here in Chattanooga. So we believe that the church is not just here at Avenue, that we build the kingdom over castles all day long. And so you guys have heard from me for the last three weeks. So we're going to end today. We have three of our coordinators. Come on, give it up. Three of our coordinators. You guys want to make your way to the stage. Something a little bit different. You guys hear from me all the time. And so what we see in the New Testament is we have about 56 or so passages that talk about one another. And when we live in, we talked about last week, Kwananea, when we live in community, we have to learn to interact and, and serve um, and share with one another. And so these guys have been leading with us uh, since we've launched. They oversee different areas with Chris overseeing our experience, Jolie overseeing our nursery, and Matt leading um, our production team. And so you guys are going to get to hear from them on what it looks like to live out this church life, because church is not something that we go to, right? Church is something that we are a part of. And so they're going to bring a word. Um, they got 10, 15 minutes, and it's going to be fire. So let's do this. Would you guys stretch forth? This is a little too high pitch, right? Uh, stretch forth your hands. We're going to pray over them that even though like it's 10 minutes, man, it's going to be like God's word. And when God's word goes out, it does exactly what it's supposed to. So Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for what you're doing in this house, what you're doing in this community and in our lives. And God, we thank you that you sent your son uh, for us, for your church, that we are a people, we are not a place, that we live together in relationship with each other, but most importantly with you. And so God, I pray that the, the, the word that you put on the heart um, of these three leaders, God, that, that it would burn just as Jeremiah said, that it would be a fire shut up in their bones until it comes out, and God, that it would, it would do exactly what your word does, God, that it, it soaks our heart, so God, prepare our heart. Um, the harvest is only as good as the soil, and so God, prepare our heart to receive this word um, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said Amen. Come on, come on. Let's give him one more hand. Let's give him. First on the dock is Mr. Chris Hansen to you, sir. Let's go. Thank you, Stephen. So, um, 
as you heard, Stephen said, I'm Chris. I'm the coordinator over our experience team. Um, he did say one thing wrong in his intro. He said you can sneak in and sneak out. That's physically not possible at this church because of our experience team, Stephen. You cannot make it to that seat that you're sitting in without being greeted or handshaked or something at least a minimum of three times. If you can make it to that seat and not get touched by somebody, then I've completely failed. So I'm going to get right into this. Stephen told us 10 minutes when he dropped this on us, but he just changed it to 15 minutes. So noted 15 minutes now, not 10. Listen, my hope today is that what you hear from us is a confirmation of what you've heard through this sermon series. I don't think you're going to hear anything completely new today. I think you're going to hear a different take on what you've already heard. He's verbatim said most of what my, is in my message already. So I'm basically just, he didn't copyright it. So I'm basically just re-saying what he's already said. But that's the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get right into it. I want you to picture the last time you were looking for a church. And maybe that's right now. Last time you were searching for a church, what was it that you were looking for? Maybe you went through that pros and cons list. Maybe you went through, all right, here's the things I didn't like at the last one, so here's what I'm looking for in the new one. Everybody got that? Kind of thought through what that is? If you Google it, you'll find that most popular search results come back with great preaching, great worship, and normally like great children's ministry followed by coffee, parking, lighting, air conditioning, things like that, which all those things are great. They are. But if you're like me and you grew up in a little small white church and sorry, not white like skin, but an actual like small white wooden church, you know, the one with the wood pews and the green carpet or maroon. Those are like the popular colors in the deep, the deep South, you know, the wooden offering plate that also had the matching like felt in it that matched the carpet. If you grew up in that church, you were taught something that let you know the true thing you're looking for when you go into a church. So I want you all to do this for me. Matthew, will you hold the mic for me so I can demonstrate? Thank you. So if, if you know it, say it with me. Hands together. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door. See all the people. How many of y'all knew that? See, I submit to you today that behind the great preaching and the great worship and the great children's ministry and all that, the true thing at the root of it, the true thing that you're trying to find is people. Amen. We've heard all through this series that we are the body and that each of us bring a unique gift, a unique reason to the body. So it's people that you're looking for. It's people that you need. I need you. You need me. So what kind of people do we want to be? We're going to go to John 13, 34, 35. And apparently, I wanted to challenge myself to an eyesight competition today. <laughs> you know, the pocket Bible was cool when I was in my 20s, but now that I'm approaching 40, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Those are the kind of people we want to be for somebody that's coming to find a home or even somebody that's here and is still looking. And there's one thing that stands out there that tells us what, what that makes, how we become those people. It's our love for one another. So I got five points because you gotta have points. Um, I'm gonna give you two reasons or two ways how we become those people and three ways of why. You ready? All right, so the first how Stop caring. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you come to church and they said, stop caring? Isn't that like the root of our uh, religion here? No, stop caring more about yourself and less about others. Stop coming in here caring about what can the church do for me instead of what can I do for this church? Go with me to Philippians here. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. 
Guys, when he said love, and, love each other the way I loved you, it was a new commandment he gave them, but he had demonstrated that commandment for the three years that they'd been with him. They'd seen that commandment, walked out and walked out and walked out. And in the letter to the Philippians there, Paul is telling them, look out, look outward. We heard last week in Acts, they shared everything. Look out, stop looking at you. What, what can you do for me? Look, what can you do for the church? After we stop caring, we're gonna start sharing. You like that? Little rhyme? Every time you rhyme in a message, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> just, you know, just, just know that. Start sharing. Look, I don't have to go into much here because, uh, well, he preached a whole sermon on it last week about together. So just go listen to that sermon. It goes in depth. So Kayla and I, we started watching this new series on Netflix called Alone. Anybody else seen it? This is like a survivalist game show, but like on, on crack. These are like elite survivalists, and they drop them out in the middle of nowhere and the winner is last man standing. Like if you grew up watching Survivor, it's 35 days. They've got camera crews. They've got medical there that can help them. No, this series, they're on their own. And these people, they know how to build their own houses. They know how to set traps. They know how to hunt. They know how to fish. They know how to gather. I mean, they can survive. But they put this quote up at the beginning of the series, if you'll put that on the screen for me. The worst cruelty that can be inflicted on a human being is isolation. Let that set in. The worst cruelty that can be inflicted on a human being is isolation. And we're coming out of COVID, and I think more of us have experienced that than before. See, they all start out the same. They talk about their strengths and how oh, I've, I've been doing this for years. I've been, I know the, how the indigenous people lived off this land. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. And they're all full of energy. But as the days turn to weeks, and the weeks turn to months, they start to crack because they don't have their people, because they're alone. And they took for granted the power of their people. And some of them, they're set up. I mean, they have houses. Like, you can install Wi-Fi on some of these things. They're that good. They're set up to go a long way, but they've lost their people. In Hebrews 10 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. See, those contestants crack because they don't have their people. They don't have their encouragement. And if you're attending Avenue and you're not a part of Avenue and you too are in your darkest moment trying to survive, and you don't have your people, we don't know you're struggling, we cannot encourage you, we cannot build you up, because t Hebrews is saying, look, this is hard, and it's going to get harder. You have to encourage each other to keep moving forward. So Stephen said it last week, get a name, get a number, get to know each other. You cannot do this alone. We are built to be a people. Church is not a place, it's a people. So let's get into the why. Why do we want to be John 13, 34 people? The first reason is this is a commandment, plain and simple. Guys, he gave this commandment at the Last Supper. This is after he said, one of y'all are going to betray me. So this is like the ninth hour. Like we're all, He's almost about to go. By the way, guys, new rule, new commandment I give to you. Love one another. I've set the example for three years. I need you to do that. But this isn't a commandment about thou shalt not do something to prevent something bad. This is a commandment about doing something that brings life. Loving each other the way I have loved you so that the world will know you're my disciples. Romans 13 says that if you fulfill this commandment, you have fulfilled all the commandments because they all are wrapped up. They all are complete if you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus says not long after that at the mill, in John 14, lost my place, fantastic. He says, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love you. This is still at the Last Supper. He's just giving them the new commandment. He's telling them, look, I'm getting ready to leave. I've been warning y'all about this. I'm gonna send you a helper in the Holy Spirit. 
but I got to go do this one thing that God told me to do so that the world knows I love my father. And what he's saying is, I need you to love each other the way I have loved you, the way I'm setting this example, because I need the world to see you and know that you are mine and not the world's, that you are set apart, that you are different. Second reason why is we need to be obedient. Christ explains this obedience. Again, we're going to go back to Philippians 2, 2, 2.8. It says, In being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, he was commanded to go to that cross. And he knew if he does not go to that cross, everything he's done is in vain. This is the final step. And he could have spoken and spoken forgiveness into, into word. But the example had been set since the beginning of time. If you start in Genesis and read up to the crucifixion, at that time, the only way to be free and set free of sin was sacrifice. He had to be the final sacrifice. Finally, and this is where we'll kind of start to land this, the third reason why we want to be a John 13 church is our love proves the gospel is true. The NLT version says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The word prove there in the Greek is gnosko. just means to know. But this isn't a know like I know Levi likes the Braves and I know uh, Pastor Stephen likes to run. This is an intimate knowledge. This is a husband and wife knowledge, if you're getting my drift. Like I know my wife and she knows me. And none of y'all know each other the way we do. There's no doubt between me and Kayla. There's no uncertainty. You cannot convince me of anything else. I know her. He is saying that when you, when you love each other the way I love you, an outsider will see that love. And without a doubt, oh, I've, I've heard of this. I've heard of this before. I know what that is. That's... That's a Jesus disciple. That's this Jesus love I've heard about. See, it's not, it's not this love wins love that we've heard. This is a Jesus love. And see, back then, at, at the time of this message, there are folks that maybe your grandparents, or maybe your parents, they saw the crucifixion. It was real to them. So as they passed it on to their children, they said, look, I saw it. I witnessed it that day. This is what it looks like. And people recognize it. So as I land and Jolie makes her way up here to keep us going, I want you to imagine being a people, not a church, a people, because we've said church is not a place, it's a people. But imagine we're a people that every one of us in here care about the, the other more than ourselves. That we're in each other's homes, we're in each other's lives, we're sharing our resources, our time, our skills, we're so in community that nobody walks alone. Nobody carries a burden alone. And imagine a people whose love is so strong that the lost can walk in here and experience salvation because they see Jesus. And they see, I, I've heard of this thing. I've been around this thing. I've never witnessed it like this. I want that. Jesus, I want to be yours. Those are the people he calls us to be. Let's be those people. Y'all welcome Jolie. She's going to keep us moving here. Come on. Thank you, Chris. That was such an awesome, such a good word. Such a good word. Well, good morning, church. I'm Jolie, and I am the nursery coordinator here at Avenue. So most of the time I spend... My Sundays upstairs, loving on our littlest world changers here at Avenue, and I love it. I love getting to walk out that calling every week that God has placed on my life. I am also a teacher, so starting my second year teaching in third grade this year, come on, it is an awesome grade to teach, and I, again, is a calling that God has placed on my life, and I am grateful that I get to walk that out every day with my students. I am also an Enneagram 9. For those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, you know. 
Enneagram nines are known as the peacemakers. Some of y'all know it. Um, We're known as the peacemakers, which basically means I want to make you happy and I will do whatever it takes to make you happy so that I can have harmony and peace in my life. So naturally, as I was going through all of these verses and trying to think through um, the verse that God called me to, naturally he gave me a verse on peace, on peace. Um, And what he has revealed to me throughout this process is that I am not a peacemaker. I am more of a peacekeeper. And there's a difference. So a peacekeeper is one willing to sacrifice their peace or give it away in order to maintain the peace of those surrounding them. It is external, it is temporary, and it never lasts. So I find myself craving peace rather than walking in peace. On the other hand, a peacemaker is someone who pursues peace, who pursues peace through conflict resolution, through reconciliation, who is willing to engage in healthy conflict in order to better um, not just those around them, but also themselves as well. And so um, I'd like to start today by looking at Mark uh, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 50, which says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with one another. So in Bible times, salt was essential. They used it as a seasoning, but they also used it as a preservative for their foods to keep them from spoiling. But if that salt was left out in the elements, if it was not stored properly, it would completely lose all of its preservative properties and become completely useless. So what Jesus is telling us in this verse is that we are to have the same qualities as the salt in that we are to be preservers of peace. And if we expose ourselves too much to the world around us, if we are out of alignment, we can lose that peace. So how do we become preservers of peace, especially in a world where we are taught that it's all about me? It's all about what I want, what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel at peace. How do we become preservers of peace? First, we have to understand that peace is not passive. It's purposeful. In Ephesians 4, 3, it says, to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What is the purpose of our peace? It is to unify the body of Christ. It is to unify the body of Christ. We were called and we were designed to work with one another, not apart. We were built and made to work with one another. So if you can imagine parts of the body, let's say the hand is in an argument with the arm and says, I'm not gonna work with you anymore. You will never understand me. You will never understand my perspective. You will never see things the way I do, so I'm done. What happens to the body? It's crippled and it is not able to work as God designed for it to work. So we have to, to work with one another, living in peace with one another. It also says we are to make every effort. And for nine, sometimes that's hard because we don't like conflict. We don't like being in conflict at all. We run from it. But God says we are to enter into that healthy conflict and we are to work with that person to come to a place of peace whether it's a conversation you're avoiding because of fear, because you don't know how the other person's going to respond, or maybe it's your ego. Maybe you're embarrassed because you know that you need to go to that person because you have made the mistake and you need to seek forgiveness. Colossians 3.15 tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. We were called to peace. We were not called to tolerate one another. 
we were called to live in peace with one another. We've got to live in peace with one another. The second thing we have to understand is it's not about our pride. It's about putting others first. Ephesians 4.2 tells us to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So three things here. First, tells us to be humble. That does not mean you let people walk all over you. That does not mean that you are a doormat. It means you humbly put others and value others above yourself. So, we all make mistakes. I tell my students this all the time. Mistakes are okay, but you have to own them. So when you are in healthy conflict with another person, own your mistakes and seek forgiveness. Second, tells us to be gentle. And this is a hard one, especially in the heat of the moment. We don't wanna be gentle. We don't wanna be gentle. Especially if we are angry, if we are frustrated, if we, are, if we could just get the other person to understand what we're trying to say. In the moment, in the heat of that moment, we don't wanna be gentle. Sometimes we have to take a step back refocus, take some deep breaths, and go back at it. But the Bible tells us to be gentle. Speak to that person with love and kindness and respect and understanding and be willing to listen. Sometimes that's hard too, especially when we are just trying to get our word across and trying to get that other person to understand. Sometimes they just need us to listen and that can diffuse the situation. Be willing to listen and really hear what the other person is trying to say. Third, it tells us to be patient. And this is the hardest one for me. Because when I am in a conflict with someone and I have sought forgiveness and I have made every effort at peace and it still doesn't happen and I still don't feel it, I want it to be immediate. I want it to happen right now. But sometimes the hurt runs deep. And sometimes that person just needs time. Sometimes I need time. And in those moments, we have to be patient and we have to, be, we have to pray and trust that God is going to do the work because he is the ultimate peacemaker. Uh, third, we have to understand it's not about me. It's about he. Our peace does not come from me it does not come from the world. It does not come from other people. It can only be found in the ultimate peacemaker, which is God. In Ephesians 2.14, the Bible tells us, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So in this verse, the Bible tells us that Jesus is our peace. Outside of him, we do not have peace. It is only through faith and belief in Jesus Christ that we can have peace. And in this verse, um, the author, the writer is speaking about two very specific groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, who were constantly in some sort of disagreement or conflict. There was a dividing wall of hostility between them, but it applies to every relationship that we have today. So no matter what your dividing wall of hostility is, Jesus has destroyed that barrier. In fact, if you continue to read in that same passage of scripture, Ephesians 2.16 tells us, in one body, he reconciled both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Hear me, church, he put it to death. It is gone. So don't pick up what Jesus has already reconciled through the cross. Don't pick it back up. Forgive it and leave it there because it is dead. It has been brought to death through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And I wanna leave you with this last verse as I wrap up in Matthew 5, 9. It tells us, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. If we are to be called children of God, we must walk in peace with one another. 
So when you leave here today, whoever God has put on your heart, and I know that he's put somebody on your heart because the Holy Spirit is moving today, seek peace with that person. As children of God, we must walk in peace. So let's walk out and go be peacemakers. Matthew, I'm gonna invite him up. And guys, I just encourage you as he's getting ready to lean in because he is gonna bring us a good word. He's gonna conclude for us and it's gonna be amazing. So lean in. Good morning, Avenue. How are we doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, as they said, my name's Matt. I am the production director here at Avenue Church. Um, as you can see, I do everything technology. I'm probably the only person up here without paper. <laughs> um, I just like tech. It's really fancy. It helps me, makes my life easier. Uh, saves trees. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, I've been with Avenue since pretty much the beginning. Um, Pastor Stephen and I go way back. We were on staff together at Love and Truth Church in Jackson, Tennessee, and I was a part of that church ever since I, my senior year of high school. Uh, when I went there, um, I wasn't really living for God right away. I was like still trying to figure it out. I was saved, but I was like, what does this whole living for God thing look like? And you know, I was like, I just want to be a rock star. Like, let's go change the world with music and all that sort of stuff. And so then I get to church and I'm just like, okay, maybe that rock and roll lifestyle isn't what Jesus called me to. Like, maybe we shouldn't do that. But I still love music, still want to change the world with music. So I was like, the worship leaders, like kind of the church version of a rock star. So let's go with that. And so I uh, got involved in the worship team, uh, started serving, and then on the Sundays, which when I wouldn't be on stage playing and I'd be out like just in the congregation worshiping, I get really frustrated because I'm like, I hear the drums, I hear the keys, I hear like the lead singer, but like that guitar player is totally up there ripping right now and I can't hear it at all. And it sounds, I know it sounds awesome because I know he's a good player. And so I go up to the guy who's running sound who was on staff as well, or I wasn't on staff at this point, he was, and I was like, hey, uh, can I help? And he's just like, please, I have 10,000 other things I could be doing right now. And so I started running sound, and it wasn't really like my passion at first. I just, no matter how good your worship team is, if you don't have a good sound guy, they're not going to sound good. So thank you, Tyler, for all that you do. Um, but in doing that, um, I really started to like get a passion for it. Uh, eventually got hired on to staff as an audio engineer, which led to many opportunities of just like, uh, going to Passion City Church and learning from Chris Tomlin's sound guy, uh, getting plugged in at The Blong & Co., uh, learning from their sound guys, being on Cody Carnes' live album recording, like lots and lots of really cool opportunities. But the thing is, like, I didn't do anything to earn those opportunities. All I did was just show up and serve, and God just made the way. He paved the way and has really enriched my life just by showing up and serving. So um, today, whenever Pastor Stephen asked me to start sharing, like, all right, so we're talking about the church and one another. So, like, I was like, that's easy. I could read a whole sermon series on just serving. So we're going to dive into that today. Um, so we're going to look at what God's Word says about this, starting in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Um, it says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Whether you believe that or not, you all have been given a spiritual gift. And we'll talk more about that later. Um, but use them well to serve one another. God, I just pray that your spirit would be here today, God. Uh, God, I'm so humbled and honored just to be here, to be a part of what you're doing at this church, God. It's awesome to just stand in the back and run sound and see people come in and lift their hands and be completely changed and transformed by an encounter with your presence. And God, as I just give this word that you've given me today, God, I pray that it's not my words that change their heart, but I pray that it's your Holy Spirit coming through my words, through the breath in my lungs that you've given me to change hearts, to change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, disclaimer, I'm going to cry. It's going to happen. I've never talked on stage without crying. So just get ready. So in uh, talking about serving, the first thing I'm going to talk about is where do we serve? Um, the first and most important place that we serve is at home. Um, you should serve the people that you live with. Uh, serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Serve your parents. Serve your siblings. And if you're fortunate enough to live at home alone and can afford a place by yourself, that's awesome. You are blessed in this economy. But there is somebody <laughs> that you can serve. Um, like, 
that's the, like, if your home's a wreck, then you're not going to be too much good outside of there because that's going to be weighing on you and pushing you down. So, and like First Peter 4 said, like, it's out of love that we serve each other. So it's out of love that we serve our spouse. It's out of love that we serve our kids. And like uh, Jolie and Chris said, putting them before us. Um, my wife would probably be mad at me for saying this, but like, if a choice comes down to like her or me, I'm going to serve her. And it's in the small little things. Like yesterday, we got breakfast, and I went and got like a fork and a knife for us to use, and they're like the metal ones, and but they're like in like a thing you go pick up and you come back to the table. And I was just like, this one doesn't look quite that clean. I'm not walking back over there. All right, I'll take this one. And I gave her the clean one because like I choose to serve her over myself because um, I want her to have the best because that's that's love. Um, so anyways, the second place that we serve is our home church. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time here because this is my passion. This is where I spend a lot of my time and um, a lot of my effort, and it's like what feeds my soul. Uh, but like I said, I've been serving in the church for a long time. And uh, like I said, like I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a worship leader. I, and I kept pursuing that and pursuing that and pursuing that because it was what I wanted. And it wasn't until like I humbled myself and started getting in production and doing sound that God really opened the door for me to actually go and do some awesome stuff. Because Stephen tells the story all the time, like I was serving in worship and I was like, I want to do more. I want a chance to like lead worship. I want a chance to do this. And I just feel like I have a million dollars to offer you guys and you're not taking it. But then once I serving stopped being about me and started being about what the body of Christ needed, that's when the door opened up. Um, and as Jolie was talking about, like the parts of the body working together, uh, we were talking about this and... Um, you know, who knows what an ACL is? Okay, a few people. Okay, take the injury of an ACL out of your mind. Do you know what it is now? Yeah, no one's ever heard of the ACL unless it's due to an injury. <laughs> um, so the ACL is a tendon that's behind your kneecap that works together with four other tendons to hold this whole joint together. And it's literally smaller than my pinky. And if it's there and it's functioning, you have no idea it exists. But as soon as it's not there, you are crippled. You can't walk. And the parts of the body are like that. Like, you might be in a spot where you feel completely unseen. Nobody knows you. Nobody talks to you. Nobody sees all the good stuff you're doing. But the body of Christ still needs you. Not everything is a platform position, but everything is necessary. And so it's so vitally important that we are all plugged in, that we are all part of this body because without that little tiny piece that seems insignificant, the body's crippled. Um, and I was at a prayer service yesterday and their youth pastor was speaking and he said, we don't need you, people need you. And so just showing up and serving and connecting with people, like it's that testimony of just like speaking of God's done this in my life and he can do it in your life. I mean, even this morning, like, this isn't my comfort zone. I'm not comfortable up here speaking. I've never done this, or I have done this, but it's been a very long time. And so this morning when I woke up, I was like, all right, cool, anxiety, let's go. <laughs> and I was carrying it with me, and I was, I was trying to put it down but didn't know how to. I was just like, oh, why is this here? I can't, like, shake this. And I was like, well, I guess we'll just do it while carrying this. And then this morning, Chad is just like, why are you carrying that? Why did you pick that up? Like, God's freed you from that. He's broken that chain. I was just like, that's what I needed. And so God's given each of us like a word and a testimony that someone else in this room needs. So like Chris said, start sharing, get involved. Um, and again, stop thinking about what you're getting out of church and start thinking about what somebody's missing out on because you're not plugged in. And, you know, Sunday mornings, they are super important. This is where the body connects. This is where we all come together. This is where we can network and connect and get together and build community. But more so than our home and our home church, we need to also serve our hometown and get church outside of these four walls. It's bigger than just Sunday morning. The Big C Church is, like, impacting this city in such a way. Uh, we did, went, uh, Steve led us at Journey Home yesterday and fed tons of people, had tons of leftover fried chicken, and... I heard it was an awesome time. I wish I could have been there, but it was such a just fantastic time. But that doesn't happen if this doesn't happen. So this is where we get together, where we meet. And then that is the big thing where we go out and impact the world for Christ. So 
in, in everything that we do, uh, Colossians 3.23 tells us to work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So again, we don't, like, I don't serve my wife as if I'm just serving her. I serve her like she's Jesus. I give her the best. I don't serve at church like I'm serving for Pastor Stephen or for you guys. I serve as if I'm running sound for Jesus. And same thing for our community. Like the Bible tells us, do unto the least of these as you would do unto me. When you feed a homeless person, you're feeding Jesus. And so if you treat everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord, man, that makes such an impact. So what does it look like when we start to serving together? Uh, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So, uh, serving just pretty much looks like giving. And it's not all money. That's, that, yes, that is part of it, but it is giving. So, how do we serve? First thing is time. Just giving your time to people. Like, uh, Pastor Stephen talked about it yes, or last week and uh, together. Like, make, it, make room in your schedule for people. Like, go out to lunch with somebody today. Get coffee with someone throughout this week. Get dinner with another couple or something. Like, just make time for people. Uh, make time for Sunday mornings. Like, we get here at 6 a.m. for load-in, and we don't leave till 1.30, and you're like, ooh, that's a lot of time. I don't know if I can give that much. That's okay. You can only serve second service. You can still sleep in a little bit and still get here, serve, and do what you need to do. Like, we make baby steps. Like, you don't have to jump all the way in. You can just, like, I'll try this out. <laughs> um, so just giving of your time. And the, we all have it. We can all give it. Um, I think somebody said everyone's given 24 hours in the day. Some people do awesome things and some people do nothing. It's just a matter of what you make a priority for. Um, second thing that we can give is our treasure. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it's everything that we do as a body, yeah, it pretty much takes money. It takes money to feed hungry people. It takes money to make this sound equipment work. It takes money to rent this venue so that we can join together. It takes money to do things. So if God's giving you the generous gift of giving, then please do so because we need it. Um, but it's like, if I give, like, I can only give $5, so I'll give $5, but, I, and I could think like, well, that's not really much. That's not going to do anything. But if we all gave $5, that's awesome. So I'm not telling everyone to like give everything you got, like just give what you can and God can abundantly bless that and do so much more. All right. And then the last thing is give of your talent. Um, yeah, like some people like, Chad's awesome. I love, I love hearing him sing. I love hearing him play guitar. The rest of our worship team's awesome too, but Chad's just like, he's got to play some my heart. <laughs> um, and so just like, it's awesome that he can do that, but there's more than just that one spot that needs to be filled. Like we need people, like Pastor Stephen said the other week, like, can you pour a cup of coffee? Can you smile and wave? Like if somebody's like having just a week from hell and like, I'm crying because I've been there. And you just don't have anybody who can encourage you and speak into your life. And you're at a workplace that's just full of just this darkness and this heaviness. And you show up on a Sunday morning and somebody's just like, hey, it's really awesome to see you. That's awesome. That really does make your day. It's just to have someone acknowledge your presence and be excited about it. Like, sometimes that's enough. And so every little tiny thing that we do makes a world of difference to somebody. So whether you think your gift is big or you think your gift is small, we need it. Because um, again, as I said, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And if you think, well, I don't have a gift, I, or I don't know what my gifting is, that's a great time for you to get plugged into starting point, which is exactly two weeks from today on August 14th during second service. So make sure that you come to that. If you are unsure of what your gifting is and you don't know how to use your gifting for the kingdom of God, we will teach you. We have little, like, little tests you can take. It's not like the Enneagram, but it'll show you your gifting and you can get plugged in and serve in the kingdom of God. And then lastly, I want to leave us with this. Um, again, like doing everything unto the Lord. 1 Peter 4.11 says, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So, um, have you ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Anybody? So, everybody is always, so you know the frustration of like you get this thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and you put it all together and then you have that one piece that's missing. And like the kingdom of God can be like that where you're just like missing that one piece. Like alone, that piece is pretty insignificant. It's invaluable. It's like, well, you know, I'm not a corner piece and I'm not one of those outside border pieces. I'm just like part of the sky. I'm blue, pretty plain. Like, what do you need me for? But the thing is, like, once you get that whole beautiful puzzle put together and that one piece is missing, that's all you can focus on is that missing piece. And so even though that piece alone might be insignificant, it's what brings wholeness to the body. Um, And, you know, you don't buy a puzzle piece by piece. The same price is paid for every single piece. So regardless of how you feel about yourself or your assignment or your call on your life, there is purpose for it. There's a place for it. We need you. People need you. And God wants to work through you for the kingdom. Thank you, guys. Come on. Come on. Wow. Wow. Thank you, guys. Let's give them one more hand. Not, not just them, but the word of God that was spoken through them. And, you know, I'm not the only one God speaks to, and I'm not the only one God speaks through. Um, and God speaks through them. He speaks through you. Uh, because we are all a part of the same body. And Matthew hit the nail on the head. There's not a better way. I don't think we could have closed that out. Is like, if you don't have a home church, we would love for it to be Avenue Church. But if, like, we want Avenue Church to be a place for anybody, but we know that it may not be for everybody. And that's okay. Let us help you find somewhere. But even beyond just the church, the greatest connection you can have, and you cannot be connected to the church without being connected to the body and the head of the body is Christ. And it starts there with a relationship with Christ. And we'll do this, you know, I might preach a sermon one day on tithing. At the end of it, we're going to point it back to the gospel because everything points back to that, right? That is the good news. And if you're here today and something you said, like one of the things that was the common theme throughout it was that it's not about me. It's not about you and your life, but it's about those that you see in our world, in this room, at work, in our home, that who can we impact? And we want to think that way because that's how our Savior thought. And we reference Philippians chapter 2, and it says that, you know, that, that he left his throne and his powers. He left everything in heaven just to come to be with us just to come to be with you. He lived for 30 years kind of inconspicuously and then for the final three years of his life he, he dedicated it to 12 men. 11 of those would start the church. But it wasn't just so that he could build this organization called the church. It's so that he could build your life. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ know that he left heaven for you know that he gave his life sacrificially for you that he died the most gruesome death for you we all carry guilt and shame because of the things that have separated us from God but Christ has removed that separation of sin and has brought us back into relationship with our heavenly father with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment if that's you today and you're living separated from God I want to pray for you and maybe you know, I heard this terminology this week and it, it's not, it was different. It's like maybe you're a Christian, but you don't know God because we can live that way sometimes. We can have the title, but not have the relationship. And maybe you need to come back into relationship with him. And so I want to pray for you. If that's you today, would, I'm going to ask you to do something just so that I know who, who I'm praying for. And we're going to pray together. But we just lift your hand if that's you and you would say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to take the forgiveness that he offers me and accept it as my own. If that's you today, I just want to pray for you. We're going to pray together in a moment. Awesome. 
Awesome. Look up here at me. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And then also I want us to pray for us as a church that we would grow stronger as a body, not as an organization. That we would not be a country club. That we would not be somewhere that we go to, but something that we are all a part of. And that you find your place. Whether it's serving, whether it's in a small group, whether it's just getting here early just to meet your people. So let's pray together. Father, I just come to you this morning. God, I thank you, God, just for the incredible words that have been spoken, that it's, that it's your word that goes forth, that is, it is good for encouraging and equipping and correcting and, and binding and bringing unity, God, to the body, to your heart. And so, Father, I, I ask that this, these words would just um, sink into our heart. God, those that raised their hands just in the last couple of moments that, that acknowledge that they've been living not just apart from church, but they've been living apart from you, whether they've been living that way their whole life or maybe they've just um, turned away from you for whatever reason, for life, for disappointment or hurt. God, I pray that right now you would speak specifically to them. God, as they're just whispering in their heart or maybe with soft words and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I acknowledge that I've broken your heart. I ask that you forgive me. I want to do my best to live for you. It's not all that's going to be said, Father, but pray that it's the beginning of a lifelong conversation. And God, for us as Avenue Church, God, I just pray that, that we would be carriers of um, your word, that we would speak the truth, God, that we would be carriers and, of, of your spirit dwelling within us and resting upon us in power and in strength. God, that we would, we would follow the leading of your spirit. But God, I pray just as our team said today that, that we would um, be doers of your word and manifesting your love for one another. God, that we would love others just as you've loved us not just on Sundays when it's easy, but on Wednesday when it's hard. Not just here at church, but God, when we get to work with our difficult coworkers, or even more so, God, as Matthew said, just starting at home with our family. God, that we would, we would love with an unconditional love, God. Open our eyes to be able to do that. God, help us to make room at the table, not just to grow our church, but God, to grow your kingdom. God, that you are looking to bring those lost sons and daughters home. So God, let your anointing, let your peace, let your love rest on each one of us in this room to walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give God one more hand clap. Thank you.